It is November 22nd, a few days away from Thanksgiving, shaping up to be just a terrible day for me. Nothing serious, just stress and frustrating. Turned out to be a stressful and frustrating day for a couple of people in the NBA yesterday as well. We're going to get to that in a second. Welcome back to No Bucks Given. For now, that's just a tease. As always, joining me, Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter, the hardest working man on Twitter. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic, man. How are you? I am fine. All things considered, my life is fine. Just having one of those days today. But why don't we just dive in? All right. Today's episode is going to be two things, possibly a third, if time allows. The first thing is going to be what everyone is talking about today, LeBron versus Beef Stew, which is not a joke. Those are two people that we'll be talking about. And after that, it's going to be the rookie report. We talked about the draft when the draft first happened, and we had a few people on to talk about draft picks, specifically shout out beyond the RK, speaking about the Orlando Magic draft picks. We're going to do a recap, a a rookie report card right now where decent amount in the season. We've seen a decent amount of these players, and I think we can talk about them. But first, let's start with Braun and Beef Stew. Probably one of the most shocking things that we've seen in the NBA fight-wise in a little while. Dre, you want to recap it for us? Sure. Um, So for those who... May I watch There was some action in Detroit, and it was two days to the anniversary of Malice at the Palace, which is crazy. Um, I, I saw somebody, I saw somebody tweet about that, and it was crazy. Um, obviously, um, I think I think around this time the Pistons were beating up on the Lakers. I think it was like seventy-eight to sixty-six. Jeremy Grant's at the free throw line, knocks down two free throws. As he's as he knocks down the second free throw, as you all know, people box out the second free throw. LeBron and Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, get tangled up at the free throw line, and it leads to LeBron kind of. I don't I don't, I don't know if he hit him like in the face or in the nose or wherever, but I, but LeBron LeBron ends up hitting Beef Stew, and Beef Stew ends up getting a lot of blood, and he yeah. did not take kindly to that. Which they, uh, which he initially got in LeBron's face, and they had to separate him. And then I think a minute later, Beef Stew decides to start chasing after LeBron as, yeah. as LeBron's on the other side of the court. Yeah, he tackles. He, I swear he tackles like four people. Kate Cunningham's trying to keep him calm, and you know the few of the coaching staff or the Pistons trying to keep him calm. So at that point, they threw out LeBron. They threw out Beef Stew. But as Beef Stew is, as as the coaching staff and the rest of the Pistons are trying to get Beef Stew to the locker room, he ends up running in the locker room i'm 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 assuming trying to get to the other side to where you can see lebron right and everybody's just got to calm him down from there from there the laker um the laker bench had to make sure that beef student come out of the other side of the lock uh, the other side of the tunnel in order to get back on the court so it, it was just it was just a crazy situation that happened and if you guys haven't heard today lebron is suspended one game and beef stew is suspended two games because that's right yeah, I know a lot of you people out there are probably saying shit like professional wrestling is lame and fake and stuff like that. I see that on my TL all the time. Fact of the matter is, I've seen NBA boys talk about this fight like it's the greatest thing that ever happened. 
And it's the same in pro wrestling, baby. A lot of showmanship, a lot of blood, even though it doesn't look like anything happened, and people jawing, all right? And that's what we saw yesterday. I saw a few angles of the hit. It's 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 bad. It's pretty bad. It looks like Braun's trying to throw the elbow at him. The elbow goes past, and Braun's got a closed fist that he hits him right in, like, the under the eye, like the eye socket right here. And... Looks like a general hit. Like, I, I, we've seen guys take hits worse inadvertently in games before. Dudes get bowed all the fucking time in the game. And then Beef Sue just starts pouring blood out of his eye and his nose all over. The most blood I've seen in an NBA court, I think, in live action in a while. Like, I can't even think of the last time I saw that much blood. Like, I've seen dudes bust their nose before, and it wasn't even that bad. And he just sees red. Likely, he only sees red because there's red covering his fucking eye and he starts going Derrick Henry on everyone's asses, just ripping through guys. My God. Like I haven't seen dude shed like that outside of the NFL. We see dudes in the NFL do it all the fucking time, but I haven't seen an NBA play. I mean, he was shedding guys, shedding guys. And yes, like Dre said, Stu is suspended two games. Braun is suspended one game. The fines are as followed. LeBron James is being fined $284,000 and $284,004. That's $4 at the end there. And Isaiah Stewart, two games of $22,601. So that's $45,201. It is in front of me. I didn't do the math on the fly. You know I won't lie to you guys. I can't do math that fast. But that's what it's going to cost. At the end of the day... It's costing LeBron like six times more the money because of how much more he makes in a game than Isaiah Stewart does. But how do you feel about the punishments? I mean, I think we're both surprised that Braun got suspended the one game in MSG on national television, something that probably is going to cost the NBA a lot more than $284,000 to uh, not, not have LeBron for that game. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this this morning I saw, well, for some reason, I, I was just on the NBA app and just looking at the schedule, and I was like, oh, the Lakers are playing the Knicks tomorrow at MSG. So I'm like, well, LeBron's probably not more likely not going to get suspended because you need LeBron at Madison Square Garden. Like, right. I mean, that's 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 going to be, like, one of the biggest games of the year thus far. But the NBA proved me wrong. Adam Silver definitely um, pulled the strings, which, I mean, I'm definitely proud of because, you know, I mean, we, we, already, we already know the narrative that, you know, LeBron would get the special treatment just because, you know, he's the face of the right. NBA. A lot of people thought that he wouldn't get suspended, including myself. So for him to get suspended one game, I, th- I thought I thought it was definitely deserved, you know, considering that, you know, the little forearm that he threw at me, it, it, it was dirty in my opinion. Like when, whenever whenever I watched the replay, it was it was dirty, I must say. And then, of course, Beef Stew. Beef Stew would have been safe, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, with him going crazy and tackling like right. just about everybody that was in front of him. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised it was actually two games, to be honest. I, th- I think the only reason why it was only two games was because of, you know, what happened to him at first, because, you know, LeBron obviously initiated everything. Yeah. So, like, like, let's say, for instance, like, these guys were just, you know, talking trash and brawling, and then out of nowhere, this beast to just start going crazy. He probably gets suspended for about at least 10 games. Yeah. So, two games is not too bad for Beast, too. Um, it's just unfortunate because, you know, the pisses are obviously just not good, and, you know, they need all their pieces, but... I'm 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 not I'm not I guess you could say I'm not too, I'm not too surprised with the um with the punishments. Yeah, it's pretty lax. I agree. I didn't think that Braun was going to get suspended and I am kind of 
not not as that is commendable to Adam Silver, but it is nice to see Silver not necessarily fully bend the knee in LeBron and actually suspend him for the one game. Don't know the last time LeBron was suspended for a game, to be honest. I don't know if it's happened before in terms of like an actual suspension, but they made the thing. And you're right with Stu as well. He's a somewhat known player. He's not a household name by any means, but NBA fans know him. Detroit's been in the press a lot more since they drafted Cade Cunningham and Beef Stew. Isaiah Stewart was one of their best players last year, one of their best rookies. And he's their starter this year, even with Kali Olenek on the team. He's a good player, and it's good to see mm-hmm. him out there. And Stu did the thing that no one thought would happen. See, Stu thought that, but we thought, Adam Silver is not going to punish Braun. He's the star. He gets to get away with it. But a lot like Braun can be seen in the Mark Keith Morris Jokic situation. Keith gives Jokic a hit, expects him not to do shit because Keith is a tough dude. He's from Philly. No one usually fucks with him. And what happens? He pops him. Jokic pops him. Braun hits a dude. And he say, he thinks he's a second year guy. He's from Detroit, the team. I'm LeBron James. I'm the goat in my own head. At least this guy's not going to do shit. And Stu said, no, the league might not do shit, but I am going to fuck you up if I get the chance. I mean, to be honest, like LeBron has that history of like guys just coming up to him. Like I remember when he was in Miami, what was his name? Nazi Muhammad just like pushed him on the floor. I, I want to say, I, I, yeah, I, I want to say like it was during the playoffs when he was playing for the Bulls. Like, he just, he just shoved him. I, I, I yeah. can't even remember exactly what happened. He just shoved him to the floor. And then, of course, you know, you had um, LeBron had issues with Lance Stevenson back in, you know, his Indiana true, days. Yeah. Um, trying to think of some other ones. I think I think Joe Kim Noah as well. So it's LeBron, always the, the Bulls always fucked with Bron. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I think I think that's the thing about why, like, people want to go at Bron because, you know, LeBron has this image of like, you know, I, I want to be a role model. I don't want to, you know, go, I don't want to feed into that. So LeBron has always had this image of, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to respond to people's shit. When I, I mean, e- even even recently with the whole. And his candor situation, right. like you know, what I'm saying, like, and like he really hasn't responded really to that whole in his candor situation. Besides, you know, besides him not going to give him the time, time of the day. So, I think what it is is that people like to punk Braun sometimes. Yeah. And I think you know, and I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why people would never really back down from because I mean, in all honesty, I don't really remember people really going at Jordan like that. I mean, besides like you know the Pistons, and I think you know him and Reggie Miller had a situation, but besides that, I don't really remember people going after Jordan like that. It was rare for people. It was rare for people to even go after Kobe like that. I think. I think the one that I remember with Kobe is obviously the Chris Charles um, situation, and then it was another situation as well. I can't remember which player it was, but I don't know. It's like well, LeBron is like you know he wants to keep, he wants to keep that clean good boy image, but you know sometimes you just gotta you know rough it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, everyone always comes for the king. Whoever's the best, they usually try and fight, and that's why the king always has to have a goon. One of the reasons that Jordan get, didn't get messed with as much as his time as the king is because he had the goon of all goons, Dennis Rodman, on his team. That's true. You fuck with Jordan, Rodman's going to – like, he's not, like, not even a joke. Rodman will murder you as a person. And Kobe had his guys as well. I mean, reason was a little bit tough in his day. He had – had, like, uh, They had Meadow. They had Meadow, who is basically, you know, cut from the same cloth as Rodman. I know that's, like, an easy comparison to make. But these guys always need their goons, you know. And this Lakers – I guess – Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I guess you could say LeBron has uh, has Russ because I don't know if you yeah. saw, but like Russ, Russ was like Russ was like in the background, like had his hands up and everything, which is funny too because like after the game, apparently Russ got a technical foul. I'm like, I don't even know what he did to get a technical foul, to be honest. 
Yeah, no, I did feel bad for Russ. He seemed like kind of fucked, like fucking annoyed by getting a tech <laughs> with that. And honestly, that's fair. Like they, the lead, they only gave him a, a tech because he was Russ and he was involved. If Draymond was yeah. there and did nothing, they would have given Draymond a tech too. It's what the league does. Yeah, and I, I understand Russ feeling annoyed by it because not only that, like it's a tech that's annoying, but it's like 40 K man. Like that's not nothing. Obviously these dudes make multi-millions, but like the league just felt like finding him because he was involved and they did. And I obviously get that. That's annoying. Um, yeah, so that's basically the end of it. I'm sure the Pistons and Lakers are slotted again. LeBron did tweet that he's not going to play on the same court as Stu again. They're not going to hold Stu back. So if Stu's playing, I guess did LeBron's he, not playing. Did he Did he actually tweet that? Yeah, I'll show you. I'll find it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, you know, this ugly green screen profile picture that Braun has right now, I can tell it every Oh yeah, you talking about the one? You talking about the one with um his family and stuff? It, it, it looked like they were dancing in it. Uh, I think he deleted all of his tweets about he he deleted all of his tweets about the event. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, but it was something along the lines of not a big deal, out of proportion, not getting on the court with Stu again though, was like the last line. Uh, but it's I gone. think I believe that might have been a fake page because I saw that last night as well. Okay, maybe I saw there was at least one tweet I think about it that was the yeah, verified yeah. account, but I don't know. And that's true. But, if, you made, if you made a fake account with that ugly green profile picture, I would have believed it every time. Go ahead. Exactly, but I believe I believe Shams reported this today that after the game, LeBron tried to get Beef Stew's uh, phone number, tried to like I guess text him and let him like I guess apologize again or something. I, I'm not I'm not sure, but listen, throughout the Ben Simmons thing. We have seen that Shams get all gets all of his reporting from Rich Paul. Everything that he says about Ben Simmons is positive and that he's seeking treatment. And he's not ready to play. He's getting his information from Rich Paul. So Shams isn't reporting that LeBron tried to find his number. Rich Paul told Shams that because he's a PR agent at this point more than anything else. <laughs> that might be true. That it's might be true. true. It's true. I, I'm done with it. Well, Woj gets his information from GMs and he's just a loser talking to the white guys. And <laughs> Shams is just talking to Rich Paul, man. Neither of them are real journalists at this point. It's just, it's fine. It happens. They just tweet out like stuff like yeah. you know what I'm saying that, that anybody else could. <laughs> it's like, it's like Schefter. Schefter reported that Dalvin Cook was a victim of uh, uh, domestic violence, and it turned out that he beat the shit out of his wife. None of these guys are actual journalists. They get they just get their information from an agent. They get money for it, and that's all they do now. It's actually really disappointing to see, but it's what happens to all of the biggest sports journalists now. So, what do you think is better, like you know the war the Wolves reporting or Stephen A. saying, "Oh, my sources told me this," and like nobody knows none of Stephen A. sources. At least my sources told me that Melo was going to Brooklyn or something yeah. like that. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, no, no one believes that shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's worse with Woj because people take Woj's word as the gospel, man. Like all these NBA yeah. blog boys, all these 14-year-old Stan accounts that have like James Harden goat in their fucking bio, they always say Woj bomb. Woj tweeted this, so it must be true. And that's dangerous when other shit comes out. Like when he's when he's tweeting out that the 76ers are, you know, believe that Ben Simmons is lying about his mental uh, issues about playing, maybe he is. 
But on the 1% chance that it's not a lie, we should be considerate of this guy's mental health. And Woj tweeting that like the 76ers don't believe him is going to make all those fanboys say shit to Ben Simmons about like, if Woj says it's not real, then it's not real. You know, it's irresponsible. Oh, man. Shout <laughs> Let's fucking sh- move on. Shout, shout out to Rich Paul. Yeah, money. shout out to Rich Paul and his girlfriend Adele. I hope they're doing great. <laughs> and oh, yeah, if you're definitely. listening, come on the pod. <laughs> Let's move on. Anything else on the injury or on the on the fire? We haven't heard anything of if Stu is going to need any any help uh, medically either. I I wouldn't be surprised if he broke a bone in his face. To be fully honest with you, I mean that was a lot of blood. So we haven't heard anything yeah. in terms of if he's okay or not because of course the situation is surrounding LeBron. But one game suspension for LeBron. He'll miss New York. Beef Stu is uh, suspended for two games. Unsure if he will be injured for any more or not. Dre, last thoughts. Um, I really don't have none. <laughs> Fuck it. Let's move on then. Yeah. Real quick before we get into rookies, this headline's been staring me in the face on Twitter. LaMelo Ball goes for 28 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, and three steals to beat the Wizards, who are a real team. They're a real fucking yeah, team, they are. man. I you love know what's LaMelo. crazy? Like, I still have yet to watch a Wizards game, and I feel bad. Same. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, it's like they're up there with like Golden State and Phoenix and the rest of those teams, but it's like I just have not watched the game yet. Yeah. I don't mean to be I don't mean to be disrespectful to uh to Wizards fans because trust me, congratulations to y'all. Y'all actually have, oh, yeah. have yeah, a contending team. team right now. But, For me, it's just that they're on the East Coast. It's three hours ahead of me. I'm just never going to catch one of their games. They start at like yeah. 4 p.m. For me, I'm still at work. If they're ever on prime time in the West. Be sure that I'll be watching them. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, let's dive into these rookies. So. 2021 NBA draft was highly uh, hyped in terms of the players that were coming in. There was an easy top three, I think, an easier top two, in my opinion, when we were doing the draft. We'll talk about that in a bit. But it looks like it's living up to the hype. The good players that we thought were going to be good are playing fucking good. A lot of those players that we had question marks about are fucking good anyways. And a lot of dudes that we didn't expect to be good are already good. I want to talk about them. I think what we do is go through the top 10. And then after that, we'll just pick any other rookies we want to talk about. All right. Let's do it. Start with Cade, man. Everyone's calling him the Messiah, the savior of basketball in Detroit. He got uh, the coach's uh, blessing to take his retired number. He is missed a few weeks of the season. He recently came back. He just recorded his first triple-double last night in a loss to the Lakers, the youngest Detroit Piston to ever record it. It's like 20 days, 20 years, something days. Isaiah Thomas is next at 21. By the way, you know what his first triple-double was? It was like 41-11-11. People don't talk about Zeke enough. He's kind of a bad person. I understand why they don't talk about him. But Cade's great. Cade's, Cade's fucking murdering it out there, man. And I've actually watched an okay amount of Detroit this year. The parts that I can watch, I mean, it's a little bit rough. I still don't fully get a lot of what they're doing, but I love Dwayne. I love uh, Cade. Killian is injured, unfortunately. Again, I hope he gets healthy. Kelly has been 
you know, solid. I don't think he's exploded for any big games yet. Beef Stew was good until he got his face ripped off by LeBron. Jeremy Grant has had a couple of supernova games where he's just dropping 30, 40 points out of fucking nowhere. And then he has had some really bad games. How much of Cade have you watched so far, Dre? I watched a good amount. And let me just say that, you know, just, just me watching Cade, like you could see him, you know, He's still he's still trying to get his legs underneath him as far as like, you know, being a part of, the, you know, the NBA and just, you know, trying right. to adjust at that level. But you can tell the potential is there. And I just I just hated it for him because, you know, obviously, like his first like two or three games, he struggled badly and everybody yep. was calling him a bust right after the trip. And I'm like, yo, this is like his first like few they games. Always do like, it. You know, say, like, we we got to give him time. And then since then, you know, he's been able to you know, be just, just, just be everything for them as far as like, you know, scoring, being able to uh, just distribute the rock, obviously, um, him and uh, Killian Hayes just being those two uh, playmakers for the team really helps out a lot, especially when you have like, like really good scores and Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay and, you know, and a few other guys. So I I think that really helps, but you know, K's numbers, I'm not going to say that they're super impressive because I mean, he is shooting around like 35, 36% from the field. So I can't say that he's playing. Yeah. I, I can't say that he's playing exceptional, but the confidence is getting there, you know, game by game. And, you know, He's gonna have his struggles, you know. Like you know, what I'm saying he's a rookie. Like you know, it's, it's bound to happen. Like we're not we're not gonna expect this guy just because he was the number one overall pick to average around 25 a game. Like that's just not gonna happen whatsoever, especially being on a bad Pistons team. But each and every game, you are seeing more confidence coming out of K. Just you know, just getting more comfortable to where he was when he was at Oklahoma State. And you know, I'm I'm just happy to see it. Yeah, so Kate is currently averaging 14, six and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. It's pretty solid. He's shooting like shit. Rookies always shoot like shit, especially if they have a high usage rate. If they're a catch and shoot guy, maybe that's different. But every guy with a high usage rate fucking sucks field goal percentage the first season. Get past it. He's shooting 35% from the field. Fine. It's not awesome. 25% from three. Of course, that's terrible. It's fine. But 14, 6, and 4, it shows that he has a well-rounded game. He's closer to 5 assists than he is 4, so let's just say 14, 6, 5, because it's all about narratives, baby. I drive my own narrative. But you can tell that he is going to be a guy that you can run an offense through heliocentrism, you know? Maybe he's not full-on Luca, full-on Trey, but he's not um, – a guy that you have to stash in a corner, you know, he's going to be able to run the offense for a lot of the game. He's going to be a shooter, a great rebounder all around. People have made some comparisons with Luca because of the lack of explosiveness and athleticism. I don't necessarily think that's the only thing, but he's great to yeah. try for it. And he, 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 he has some athleticism. Oh yeah. He's got, athletic. I mean, he's still fucking 20. I mean, years. I'm not, I'm not going to say he's like Jalen Green type of like, you know, athleticism, but, you know, he at least has like some like lateral, like lateral quickness and quickness and everything. Like Luca is not quick whatsoever. Um, Before we move on to number two, real quick, Cade, would you still take him at one? I would. I would just be, I mean, whenever you consider, you know, what he did for Oklahoma State, you know, I mean, you, 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 I mean, look. That, that Oklahoma State team was really good, but it was really just Cade just doing everything for that team and, and, and just being able to lead them to, like, that number one spot in the, um, in the NCAA tournament. So I think, I think that was amazing. So, you know, is he, a rookie of the, is he a rookie of the year candidate right now? Probably not, but right. you, are, you are slowly seeing the progression of Cade Cunningham and just, you know, him finding his confidence as he's transitioning to the NBA level. Yeah, I'd easily still take him number one if I'm a rebuilding team. If I already had – 
a number one guy on my roster. There's probably a different guy I would have taken, but let's move on to number two. That's Jalen Green in Houston, the first G League Ignite draft pick. And he went number two, which is great for that program, a program that's only succeeding from now on. I mean, they're doing fucking great. He has been an interesting player throughout. And I've actually watched a lot more Houston than I wanted to, to be frank, this season, because again, West Coast. So I'm catching the West Coast games and Houston's usually on just late. They're usually the last game of the night. So if I want to, if I don't want to stop watching basketball, I'll throw on their games. I'm watching a decent amount of Houston. I've seen a decent amount of Jalen Green. I would not call myself an expert, and I wouldn't call myself a big of draft scouter either, you know. But I can see why they took the guy. Um, before I dive more into my thoughts, you want to you want to talk about you, uh, what you've seen out of Jalen? So the thing about Jalen that's sticking to me is that, you know, he, he's playing with a lot of confidence. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can just see it, like, you know, from the tip of the game, like, you know, just him getting, like, a fast break dunk or anything. Like, that's – like that's – that's showing to me that, you know, that he wants to play and he wants to win. And I, I've said it on on numerous occasions, like these guys that play in the G League a season ago, they're going to be able to adjust to the league a little bit easier than a lot of these guys in colleges because they have that professional experience already. So Jalen mm-hmm. Green already having that. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying that Jalen Green's a perennial all-star right now, but you can right. see that, you know, he's already got that confidence because, you know, he was able to play against professionals in the G League just a season ago. And, you know, and, and we're, we're, obviously show, we're, we're obviously seeing that, you know, to start this year. Yeah. So Jalen Green, I think, I think his numbers are too. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're perfect. Hang on. I, I haven't, I haven't pulled up. I've got see. it. He's got 38% field goal percentage, not mm-hmm. great, better than, than Cade. 38%. Then also 28% from, percent from yeah, three, 28% from three. Um, and then obviously 14 and a half points and three rebounds. So, you know, obviously the numbers aren't great, but he is, you know, like like I said, playing with a lot of confidence. The thing, the thing that I would love to see with um, Jalen Green a little bit more is because I mean, like when you look at his game, like he has potential to be like such a gifted scorer, like oh, you know, yeah. like another guy, like like Jason Tatum or you know another guy. Like I've seen him take a lot of threes, but I haven't really seen him like work around the mid range as much as I would love him to. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that'll be a thing. I mean, look, I mean. If he does, you know, get that three, get that three point percentage up, I mean, that'll be great. But I would love to see him, like you know, work around that foul line, eighteen footers, and everything. Yeah. My thing with Jalen is that he's not a Harden or a Luca, and you don't need to be that. There's only mm-hmm. like four or five of those dudes in the league. But if I was building a team and I was going to choose a guy that doesn't play defense, he needs to be a guy that can be a Luca or a James. In my opinion, if I'm taking a top three pick, this is obviously Raphael Stone has done an incredible job in Houston. The Christian Wood contract is super cheap. Kevin Porter Jr. for a second round pack pick is genius. The draft, Jalen Green, Alperen Shangun, all those dudes, incredible picks. There's not a criticism on Raphael Stone whatsoever. But if I'm building a team and a guy is one way, I don't want a guy that only plays offense. Jalen Green, to me, yeah, he's a Tatum. He's a Kyrie. He's a guy that can take over games, but he's not a guy that takes over seasons. You need a guy, if you're going to have a one-way offensive player who can 
run the offense, score the ball, pass the ball, all the stuff on offense so your offense can be tailored around him. I don't think you can tailor an offense around Jalen Green. He's got hops. He's got a shot. He's great. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to need a system around that player. And that's why I would prefer the third guy on the list. But Jalen has been great. Don't get me wrong. He is going to be a great scorer in this league. He's going to average 20 for his career more likely than not. He's going to be a top five player in the redraft every time. It's not going to be like he's going to drop to 15 or anything. I think he's going to be great. If I was building a team, I would have gone different. Let me hear your thoughts. I'm not mad at that statement, you know, especially when you have other guys that bring such like, you know, versatility from scoring, rebounding, distributing the rock, like, you know, like a Kate Cunningham or, you know, Evan Mobley or, you know, other guys as well. So I, I definitely understand that, like, Jalen Green is more of like more of a scorer, like score first. And that's really just like, you know, one of his only assets to his right. game. I'm not saying that, you know, that he, that he can't pass the ball, but that that's not necessarily like, you know, a strong suit. But, you know, obviously he's going to be that guy that's going to just, you know, give you strictly bugs. So that's why that's why me, I mean, me personally, I, 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 I would personally like, you know, maybe later on in his career start a team around him. Like, but that, that's only if, you know, he continues to grow like as a leader and everything else. Because obviously, obviously he can lead the way scoring-wise, but can right. he elevate himself as a leader going forward? Something you've seen with Kyrie's and Tatum's is that every year that they're in the league, they're a great scorer. They score a lot of points. But it's not until you have the right team around them that they start winning. You saw with Devin Booker last year. Devin Booker was always good. It wasn't his fault that they were losing, but they needed to have the right team around him. And when you have a guy like Luka or you have a guy like Harden, it doesn't fucking matter the players that you have around him. You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to win playoff series simply because he can do it all and he hands it out. And when you have a guy like that, and I think Cade is like that, not to the same level, but he is more of that than Jalen, that's when you spend a top three pick on a guy that plays offense. But instead of Jalen Green, if you don't have that, and you already have a guy who's an electric scorer in Kevin Porter Jr., you got to go with number three. You got to go with Evan Mobley out of USC, who unfortunately right now is out for four to eight weeks with an elbow injury. But before that, he was far and away the rookie of the year favorite. And when we spoke for our draft preview, he was my easy number two, possibly number one pick in the draft. Dre, tell me about Evan Mobley, man. When he comes, I mean, before he got hurt, he was definitely the frontrunner for rookie of the year. And when he comes back, he will still be my frontrunner for rookie of the year. Like this, this guy right here, I always knew that he was going to be good. Yeah. But man, he is playing at an all-star level, at least before he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. Like, man, this guy, this guy's able to just like bring so much from like, you know, scoring inside and out even on defense, just, just, you know, being able to, like, you know, protect the interior. And then also, you know, being able to guard perimeter defenders. Like, you know, he is really good on the switch. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, like, dude, I, I'm, I'm in love with this dude. Like, what the hell? But it's, it's just so crazy to me because, man, like, I just did not see him, like, taking this huge, like, this big leap like this. And, you know, like, to me, to me, he's really showing me, you know, he's kind of like a another version of like Anthony Davis, if you say, you know, just being able to um, provide that, like provide a lot of energy on both ends. Well, at least when AD is like, you know, assertive and 100% healthy. But as of right now, like if Evan Mobley was not hurt right now, 
he will be on my all-star ballot now. Yeah. I don't know how I, I don't I don't know how other people feel. And look, when he comes back, he may he may end up getting an all-star game. Who knows? Because I mean, you know, right now he's playing well, well before he got here, he was playing well. And then on top of that, Cleveland was winning. Cleveland was like really yeah, good. Dude. And then and then unfortunately, you know, Colin Sexton also had the um had to go out with season, injury. super disappointing, yeah. man. Yeah, it's 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 just sick, man. But you know, but I mean, well, I mean, with Mobley, with Mobley on the floor, like you can see the difference with Cleveland, like you know, and them just really thriving on the floor and just really yeah. playing playing together with one another. So I just hope that when Evan Mobley does come back, maybe Cleveland can just you know find that rhythm and you know just yeah. you know get back to winning. Cavs are nine and nine, man. Who the fucking saw that coming? And to your credit, maybe something will happen when they come back positions nine through six all of them are nine and eight so they can jump a lot of those dudes easily if they you know come back and they have the stuff Mobley and to his credit you know I think he should still be number one on the rookie of the year race you know why he's played 15 games before he got injured Jalen Green's played 16 that's only one more Cade Cunningham's only played 11 because of his injury. So he's played four games less than Mobley, who's been injured for like a week now. He's played yeah. enough games. I think he should get the consideration. Before he got injured, he was averaging 14.6 points, 8.0 rebounds, 2.5 assists on 49.4% field goal percentage. Good, but not for a big man. 30.8% from three, which is good for a big man. And 77.1% from the free throw line. Impressive. Just, just impressive numbers. Like, what, like, what was the last rookie that was like playing at like an all-star level? Like, I'm trying to think. Like right away, Luca almost made the all-star okay, team yeah, his Luka. first year. It was probably Luca three Luka. years ago because I, first of all, I think he should have been an all-star that year. They only didn't give it to him because he wasn't a rookie, but he was like a few votes away from making. It. So I think him. Um, I think AD was like this right away. I think Cat was like this right away. Um, those I think it take AD a little bit of time because I, I remember, remember like I remember like his his jumper was just you know kind of a little off. I think I think that was yeah. a, little, a little bit of a concern, and then also he didn't have a lot of muscle to his frame. I was obviously like Evan Mobley as well, but it, yeah. it, it was just a little different with AD. I mean, I was obviously the potential was there, but I, I don't think he was playing at that level yet in his rookie year. Yeah, um, and this is your official fucking warning, guys. If you're listening, Cleveland is real. They're going to be real. Darius Garland is fucking real. Evan Mobley is fucking real. Jarrett Allen is fucking real. And you know who's real? You guys might not suspect because you guys don't listen as much as you should. J.B. Bickerstaff. He is fucking real. And he's been real for a long time, man. Damn. I love that team. Let's not forget guys like Isaac Okoro. Um... Even Larry Martin isn't playing pretty well. He's starting tonight. Uh, Dean Wade, like Cleveland, Cleveland's got a good. Um, got a Ricky good Rubio, who dropped like Ricky thirty-seven Rubio, on yes. the Knicks, bro. Knicks fans were pissed the fuck <laughs> off. That night. Oh my! White God. dudes are just cooking the Knicks right now, man. It's so funny, so funny, man. Um, oh my God. Listen, Mobley's going to be a monster. Cleveland is going to be good because of him and Garland. You guys should study up on Garland if you haven't yet. Any last thoughts on Mobley and the Cavs? I'm rooting for him to be an all-star. Same. All-star this year. Regardless of if Cleveland makes the playoffs or not, all-star. At number four, a little bit of surprise for people that were expecting Toronto to draft Kyle Lowry's successor. The Raptors took, and this has turned out to be the correct pick, at least so far. Oh, actually, real quick. 
Mobley, you still taking him at three? And Jalen, I'm flipping those two. I'm putting Mobley two and Jalen three. How about you? If Cleveland gets that number two, then yeah. But I, I don't know. It's like I just see him fitting better in Cleveland. Like That's I feel true. like Cleveland's just that destination for him. So if Cleveland was two, then yeah, I, I would definitely say he's two. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think it would have been cool to see Garland with uh, Green and Jared Allen. I think that team works really well because then then Green can be the scorer and everyone else can focus on defense. I like that a lot. But anyways, yeah, you're right. Uh, Scotty at four. Scotty Barnes, Florida State, second straight Florida State, rangy defender. Last year was Pat Will, I think, was the same school. Um, and he turned out to be the same prototype. Scotty's been so much fun, but I have to admit I haven't been watching a fucking single Raptors game this year. <laughs> I just don't care. They're bad. Sometimes they're good. I don't care. I think Scotty's cool, but I haven't watched any of the games. Have you? I've watched a few um, Toronto games. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because, I mean, they don't they don't get a lot of um, national um, television games at all. Well, at least, at least so far this year. So all the games that they've had were on um, NBA TV were the ones that I watched, but you know, Scotty, honestly, coming into this year, Scotty Barnes was actually my rookie of the year just because I felt like, you know, with him, with a combination of, of guys like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., and the rest of those guys, OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, I thought Toronto would be a playoff team. I, I, I honestly oh, yeah. thought I, I honestly thought that they would be. And I was like, you know what, now that they have Scotty Barnes, a guy that, who, a guy that, that, you know, that you can put in multiple positions, like, you know what I'm saying, you can have him be a playmaker. You can have him defending all five positions. You can have him maybe not scoring the ball, but at least like, you know, getting into the paint, you know, and really just, you know, dominating yeah. underneath there. I felt like with his versatility that, that he was going to be able to run for the, um, for the rookie of the year slot. But unfortunately Toronto has been up and down. They have had the um, inconsistency. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly where they are placed in the East, but I know it's not at least, I know it's not at least like top eight or nine. They are 12th. So, okay. They're 12th. Oh my God. I, I think it's going to be that low, but. But I mean, but I mean, besides that, I mean, Scotty Barnes has been pretty solid. He had that twenty-five point game against Boston. Um, I think it was earlier in the year, like the second or third game of the year. So, Scotty's really showing that he can be a franchise leader in the future, in my opinion. Like, I feel like you know, it's kind of it's kind of like how Giannis is, like you know, how Milwaukee's really destined to build a, to build yes. a team around Giannis. Yes. Like, I feel, I feel I feel like Scotty Barnes can be that guy in the future. Yes, actually, and if you are at home listening and thinking that's an overreaction because you are protective of Giannis, I understand why we haven't had a guy like that ever in our franchise history, and that's why he changed. But he's actually being correct, not necessarily in the sense that he might become a top 12 player of all time, but he is a great defender or lanky guy who is going to probably grow because he's like 18 or 19, and he has this joyousness about him Joyness that you only see in players like um, Giannis or Lamar Jackson, how Lamar Jackson always refers to the the sideline reporters as Miss First Name, Mr. First Name. is very polite, very joyousness, very childlike almost. And Scotty has that. And he's the first athlete that looks so happy and excited to be drafted to Toronto in a long time. And it's not like this is some international guy like Giannis was that just embraces a smaller market. Scotty is an American player, an American kid, and he just loves the place that drafted him. He's just like that. And that can change a franchise. It can change a fan base just like Giannis did for the Bucks. so I implore you don't think it's an overreaction it's just an oversimplification of a comparison I think it's very apt for that very reason because that 
innocent joyousness really changes franchises around. And I think it could for Toronto. The team looks great right now. I mean, not in terms of playing, but I don't believe in Fred Van Vliet. He's not the point guard of the future for them, but I love OG Ananobi. And OG with uh, his, I mean, he's developed more offensively than anyone thought he could. And now they've got a guy who's built like OG Ananobi, but with like all NBA potential, you know, his offense, Scotty's offense is going to come through. They've got the thing, NBA.com, which we all know is so relatable, um, has Scotty at number one on the rookie ladder right now. So people are noticing him. They are counting him in. As of right now, he's averaging 14.6 points, 8.4 rebounds, 3.3 assists on 48% field goal percentage, which is solid compared to the other dudes. 25% from three, which is dog shit, but he wasn't a shooter in college. We're not expecting it yet, you know? And 72% from the free throw line, which is fine. It's fine. He's technically a big man, I guess. I don't think Toronto regrets the pick at all. I think Suggs has been good, not necessarily as good as we may have thought, but I don't think they regret taking anyone but Scotty right now. And I think Scotty is the forward of the future for them. How do you feel? I, I definitely agree. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like you know what I said earlier. Um, you know, with with the um, with the climate of the Raptors right now, you know, it, it seems like you know they're probably not even going to make the playoffs this year either. So it's like you know, what do you do in the off season? You know, or this, this upcoming off season to, to just you know really continue to build around your younger guys, like Scotty Barnes, um, OG Anobi, and those other guys. Like you know, like is Pascal safe at this point? No. Um, is, is a few other guys safe? Like, is Fred Van Bleet safe? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what do you do to really build a team around these young guys? Because, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, Scotty Barnes is still 19, 20 years old. So, you know, he definitely does have enough time. But when you have a guy of that talent, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, your mindset needs to be, let's be in win-now mode. And I feel I feel like Scotty can really lead a team if, if, if they allow him to be the number one guy and say, you know yeah. what, rookie, like, like you're you're gonna lead us like along the way. So sure. Obviously, obviously, you know, Scotty Barnes offensively is not the most gifted guy, you know, compared to like a Jalen Green or you know the rest of those other guys and um a part of this draft class. But his leadership, you know, his ability to um to be an elite defender, his ability to rebound, yeah. you know, do like do an abundance of things. I, I think I think I think that's what it helps him stand out compared to the other guys in this draft class. Van Vliet for Sexton. Does either team say no? I don't know. I, it's tough though, because like I feel like the Cavs would probably say yes, but I feel like the Raptors might, might say no. I think they could like Sexton. I think he could be a good Toronto. They team. probably could, but I feel like Toronto's stubborn. Like you know, I mean, for, that's true. Fred, Fred's their guy. Like you know, that's true. Fred's that's been true. Their guy for a few years. That's true. They won the title with him. He was great during that run. They're not just gonna get rid of him. That's totally fair. Let's move on to number five. The guy that a lot of people thought Toronto was going to take uh, as the successor to Kyle Lowry and a guy that Orlando team and Orlando fans were super happy to have fall on their laps. Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga, a national winner. He is a point general. He's a floor general. Basically what Orlando has been trying to draft when they took guys like Cole Anthony, uh, Alfred Payton, trading for Markel Fultz. They've been looking for this guy since fucking basically Penny Hardaway, man. And Suggs could very well turn out to be that player. He's got size. He's got vision. He's a good playmaker. He is a decent shot maker and he can defend. 
a lot of things that Orlando's been looking for in a floor general in a long time. And maybe Suggs has underwhelmed a little bit so far in the NBA. I haven't heard a lot talk about him. I've actually heard about the other guy that they've drafted a lot more. We'll get to him a little bit later, but I still have hopes for him. I don't think he's a bust by any means. How have you felt about Suggs so far? I've only watched a limited amount of, um, of Suggs just because, yeah. number one, you know, he, had, he was out. And number two, Cole Anthony's just really overshadowing just about everybody on that team. That's true. So, you know, in the small packets that I have watched Suggs, like, you know, he definitely was struggling. Like, you know, I, th- I think he was struggling to really find that rhythm, you know, especially from three-point land. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, the Cade situation. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you have to allow these guys to really grow into the game, like, is, is Jalen Suggs a bust in my opinion? No, especially with, you know, with the way that he played in Gonzaga, being able to help them lead the way to the um, to the national championship game. So I, I think I think it's just going to take time. And plus, Orlando's super guard heavy. So it's like, you know, how, like, how are they going to fluctuate those rotation minutes when everyone's healthy? Because you remember, we have Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs. Markel. Uh, Markel Fultz, um, RJ Hampton. Those are like four. Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah, Michael Carter Williams, like those are five guards that you know that could be capable of being a starting point guard. So, how are you going to be able to fluctuate those minutes? And are people and, and is everybody going to be satisfied? So, I mean, I think I think that's one thing. So, I'm hoping that Jalen Green can really find it, find find his way with that team because I, I just I just I just, I just don't want to see him be known as like a guy that you know that had all the potential and then just you know didn't make it. So, yeah, I still I, I still have high hopes for for him. If it doesn't work in Orlando, then maybe maybe it's time for a, um, a relocation somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's going to work out, honestly. I think he's just too good of a player, and I think they genuinely have a pretty solid team over there. Obviously, he's not translating to wins. They just lost by 30 to the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. Big shout-out to Milwaukee. Um, but I really love that team, man. Cole Anthony turning into a thing is something that I did not see coming. I don't think a lot of people seen coming. He's probably the top of my most improved right now just because Definitely. in terms of most improved – Going from nobody knows you play in the NBA to, oh, this guy's a blue chip prospect is the most improvement you can make, I think. I think Suggs is a good guard next to Anthony. I think they can coexist really well. Jonathan Isaac is supposed to return in January. Maybe he turns into something. RJ Hampton has strung together a couple of games, probably the best player that got back in that Nikola Vucevic trade. And Mo Bamba's playing well. Wendell Carter Jr. is playing well. And at the helm of all of it is Jamal Mosley, who we all wanted to take over for um, white guy in Dallas. God, I already forgot his name. Rick Carlisle in Dallas. And Dallas instead goes with a terrible coaching choice in Jason Kidd. Orlando surprisingly goes with a non-white coach gets mostly and he's got these guys playing well man he's got these guys playing well big shout out to orlando like twice i want to say yeah yeah a big shout out to orlando man i think it's the most exciting like in terms of potential future since like vooch was in year one or year two which by the way don't forget vooch was a part of the failed um andrew bynum trade to philadelphia philly sent vooch to orlando in that trade that's right, yeah. Because that's, that's what brought Dwight Howard to um, L.A. that first time. That's right. That's right. The first out of three times now that Dwight Howard has been on the Lakers. So, it's, it's crazy, though, because during the trade down line, I, I absolutely hated what Orlando did last year. Because, I mean, they really they basically oh, yeah. gave like, their core guys for practically nothing. Like, they traded uh, Vucevic to um, Chicago. Chicago. I do – I mean – I do understand that they did get um what what's his name Wendell Moore Jr. 
Wendell Carter Jr. Two oh, Wendell first. Carter Jr., my bad. Two first, Wendell Carter Jr. and um, I think it was one more player. I can't remember though. Yeah, I can't remember. And I know, I know they traded Fournier to Boston. I can't even remember. I think, I think they just second round pick. It was nothing, yeah. but they sent Gordon to Denver for RJ for Hampton in the first pick. Not too bad. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not bad too. Because I mean, RJ's been pretty soft for Orlando too. But yeah, at first, at first, I was really upset with them because I'm like, you know, like where, where are they going from here? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that was like that, that was the main thing for me, but. You know, just looking at it this year, you know, with Cole Anthony being able to step up, RJ Hampton being able to play well. And then, of course, you know, you have a guy like Jalen Suggs. Um, like I said, Wendell Carter Jr. You still got guys like Mo Bob on that team. like Who's playing well now, which is yeah, awesome. He is. Like, or- Orlando Orlando has potential. Like, the potential is there. Now it's just all about being able to stay healthy, build that chemistry, and just, you know, being able to find the rhythm from there. That's true. That's true. I actually loved what they did at the deadline because it was the first time that you saw Orlando have a plan in a long time. And it's so cool to have a plan that actually works. So oftentimes people have a plan in the NBA and it doesn't work, but their plan was let's give up on the team. We're going to trade them for young guys and picks. And some of the young guys are going to work out. Some aren't. Some of the picks are going to work out. Some aren't. And in year one, a lot of the young guys are working out. And a lot of the picks are working out. And they got a perfect young coach to pair with them. I love everything in Orlando. And we're going to talk about them at pick eight. But at pick six is a player that had some hype. The second straight good player out of the Australian team in the top five or top six for the Australian team, the NBL. And it's OKC, who I wanted to have the Mobley pick more than anyone. I wanted them to get the future big next to Shea Gilgis-Alexander because that's who he needs in his development, I thought. And I still think that would have been the perfect fit. So in that vein, I thought they would have gone with bigger guys like Jonathan Kuminga or Franz Wagner, who go in the next two picks even, not even a little bit like that. But instead... They get his backcourt partner of the future. It turns out to look like the right pick, in my opinion, at least so far. Obviously, it's very, very early, but it's Josh Giddy, what people who people are referring to as NBA Chalamet on, on the TL, which is fucking hilarious. Dude's fucking hooping, man. Like analysis aside, dude's hooping. He almost had a triple-double tonight. I don't know how much OKC you've watched. I've watched a little bit, just a tiny bit, because it's unbearable to watch them. But have you seen a decent amount of Giddy so far? I've seen a decent amount. And let me just say that for Giddy, obviously, you know, playing alongside um, SGA, you know, obviously um, SGA is going to be the number one guy. But Giddy's not Giddy's not a bad score, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, prior to the draft, like, you know, I, I watched a lot of his highlights in the NBL, like, you know, like, he, he was really just, you know, being able to uh, distribute the rock, like, honestly, like, he's, he's sneaky, he's, like, sneaky good, sneaky athletic, which is just crazy to me, because, like, you know, when, like, whenever people were looking at him, like, you saw, like, a Luka Doncic 2.0 prototype, just because, you know, the, the, um, the lack of um, athleticism that, that right. he portrays, but besides that, I mean, Giddy's a really good player, so, I, I mean, you know, to me, I'm still trying to figure out, like, you know, how the pairing of those two is going to work in that backcourt, SGA and um, Giddy. But, you know, if Giddy is going to be the pl- the primary playmaker and that you allow SGA to play off ball and just, you know, being able to be that dynamic scorer, it, it could possibly work. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you said. I mean, honestly, OKC did need a big, I feel like, you know, especially to play right next to SGA. 
I, I I initially thought I initially thought that they were going to go after Kaminga. Yeah, same. Just because just because I feel like Kaminga just fits that team. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know what um what's the GM's name at OKC. I, I, Sam I Presti. Sam Presti. I'm not sure what he's doing, but Giddy's not a bad player. Yeah, no, I think. Uh... I think at this point, the guys they wanted were gone. I think if it wasn't Mobley, they were targeting Scotty, and I thought that he might drop a little bit farther than four. But they just went for the best play that they thought was available. And honestly, with this team, nobody is like a conf- – like no one's untouchable on that team but um, SGA. Maybe Poku, but if they could get someone good with Poku, they wouldn't do it. Like even Lou Dort, who's great. He's not untouchable. What about, um, what about Baisley? They like Baisley, but if you can get someone, they're going to trade him. Like, they don't, beyond SGA, I think no one's untouchable. So at that point, you're basically drafting for every position that's not SGA. So it doesn't matter who the best player is, as long as they're not exactly who SGA is. And Josh isn't. They were like, fuck it. Let's get the shooting guard of the future next to SGA or the point. If you want him to run the point, he can. And then later we'll figure it out. They're probably going to tank for Victor Wembanyama anyway. And he's like, fucking, he's somehow two times the player than Mobley. It's so fucking cool. But listen, Giddy right now, he's averaging 10 points, 7.3 rebounds, 5.6 assists. He's averaging 39.2% from the field. It's not awesome. 27.8% from three. It's not awesome. 57.9% from free throw is actually kind of concerning, but he's putting up numbers. He plays the game a lot like LaMelo plays the game. And you can recognize that maybe that style just matches Australia. Maybe Australia just teaches you this high tempo look for the pass early and often offense that you're seeing from both LaMelo and Giddy because they they play very similarly. Um, I don't think they regret the pick, even with the guys after. I don't think they, they do. What about you? I honestly don't even know where OKC can go from here. I mean, I would like for um for them to take for, um, what's his name, Victor Wim, Wimben? Wimbanyama, you can call him Wimby. Everyone calls him Wimby. <laughs> Be, I'm going to say that, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you, though. I think everybody besides SGA is untouched. And I mean, honestly, I, I would possibly try to make a um make a trade possibly for Poco. I, I feel like I feel like Poco would probably be like a tradable piece that you can possibly get for something good. But sure. like I said, I mean, it's all about what Sam Presti can do. I mean, it just, and, you know, it just seems like, you know, he's kind of making some dull decisions, but maybe he can yeah. make something happen. They're going a little bit slow for my liking, but again, I think they have a plan and they're sticking to it. If you believe in your plan, stick to it until it fails. I personally, if it was me, you've been saving those picks for a long time. I would have thrown the deck at Cleveland. I would have said number six and like six first rounders in the future for number three, because Mobley's the guy, especially if you have SGA, you get Mobley, you're the team in the future, right there, right fucking there. Even Scotty getting a three and D like, elite d wing next to, to next to uh SGA. sga is is what you need i'm honestly a little disappointed with like the guaranteed talent in this draft that they didn't do that because i don't think they plan on using all the picks you can't plan on using all the picks you don't have the roster space at some point you're collecting all those picks so that one day you can make the package to trade those picks and i think this year should have been it what about you I agree. I mean, because my thing is, like, how many years do they have him? Like, I think they got him to, what, like, 2025, I believe? Maybe. I'm not sure. He signed a so. full-on extension, though, I'm Yeah, because sure. I, know, I know they got a few picks from – Um, I think they got some trades. I, th- I think they got some picks from the Russ trade a few years ago in the PG trade. 
they got they got like five picks from the PG trade. They got a couple from the Russ trade. They got um, one in the Kemba trade, which they already used. Okay. They got one in the Al Horford trade. They got one in the Chris Paul trade. They're getting them everywhere. Yeah, so they got an abundance of picks. And now the thing is, what are you going to do with them? Like, SGA is, what, like 22, 23 years of age? So it's like, yeah. you know – I get that he's still young, but it's like, you know, you, you like you have to build a winning culture, especially considering that SGA has already had that 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 taste of like that playoff atmosphere being uh, being with the Clippers and that one year with OKC. It's like, you know, like I get it, like, you know, having a lot of picks is good, but at least try to utilize those picks to at least like get like some good key guys around SGA that you can possibly build a playoff team around. I agree. I know that they're slow balling it, but it's a little bit slow. He's 23, which is a little bit older. You guys need to get a little bit on your horse and at least have one more guy, you know, maybe they're waiting to get a superstar. I don't think that's the thing they're doing. I think they're trying to draft, but maybe they're waiting for cat. Who knows? You know, I don't even know if like at this stage, like a, like OKC would like be a free agent destination. I don't know. I no, mean, not a free agent. No, no, no. But they could trade for cat if he asks for out. You send over like a billion picks and Basley and Derek Favors and Poku. They'll give you Carl Anthony Towns probably. Get Anthony Edwards. Dude, I love Edwards. We can't just we can't just talk about Mini though. Fuck that. I don't want to talk about Minnesota. <laughs> they make me so sad. Number seven. Number seven, Golden State. The first of two picks that they had in this draft. Golden State, who, by the way, is like the favorite to win the title, probably betting wise. I wouldn't like bet on them right now, but their best record in the NBA. Steph is looking like an MVP candidate, maybe the front runner right now. Dre looks like an all defense guy again, because, of course, he was always going to be that vaccinated Andrew Wiggins is looking like Maple Jordan, like he was supposed to be. Clay is supposed to come back the week of Christmas. Happy, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to Golden State fans. Jordan Poole looks like if LaMelo was drafted to Golden State, everyone's having fun. So why don't we talk about the rookies who aren't really playing a ton, although this guy is having a little bit more minutes. Jonathan Kuminga, number seven, the second player out of the G League Ignite. That's two in the top seven for the G League Ignite. Such a cool um, addition for that program. He is averaging right now 8.5 points, 3.3, or sorry, not 8.5 points, 8.5 minutes, 3.3 points, 1.8 rebounds, half an assist. Uh, His blocks plus minus isn't great. His win shares is okay. His shooting percentage is 39.2 from the field. We all know he's going to be a dog shit shooter. 27.83 and 57.9% from the free throw. He can't shoot for shit. He's Draymond Green. It's fine. You know why? Because he's also Draymond Green because he's playing fucking defense. They're throwing him at the best players on the other team for all of his eight minutes, and he's doing stuff. You know, I can't really quantify it. Yeah. What about saying small ball five Kaminga? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're not doing do it. it. They're not doing it. I don't understand why. You you have Andre Iguodala, who you've played at the five forever, and Draymond Green, and you drafted this guy that everyone before the draft was like, he's he's kind of like Iggy. He's kind of like Dre, and you're not going to play him at the five. Steve Kerr is so confusing, man. Yeah, I think I think that's the like that's kind of like the frustrating thing about you know being a Warriors fan is that you know the good thing about it is that you know we're I want to say we're 15 and two and we have the best record in the NBA as of right now 
But the bad thing is that we have so much depth. Yes. I'm not able. I'm not able to see both both Kaminga and Moses Moody. Which, by the way, Moses Moody, I think he needs to stay in the daily for a little bit while for a little while, just because I mean, his, his jump shot does not look good right now. Oh yeah. And I'm and I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping that he could fix that in the G League. But back to Kaminga, you know, in, in the limited time that he has given us, he has given us pretty good production, you know, just bringing that, you know, bringing that size and, and that um, athleticism to the team. I just wish that it was in like a bigger package. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, you can't really speak on him just because, you know, he hasn't been able to play a lot. But in the minutes that he has been giving Golden State, like, you know, you can, you like, you could tell, like, you know, this guy could be, that, that this guy can be a really good NBA player. Yeah, he looks like the guy that they were kind of targeting in the draft, kind of like Draymond. And if you've got a guy that's kind of like Draymond and you've got the coach that coached Draymond, the MVP that won the MVP with Draymond and Draymond himself, he's probably going to learn how to be a little bit like Draymond. That is that is a fact. That is a fact. But like I keep saying, if you okay, so let's come up with a scenario because I don't know when Wiseman's coming back. We haven't heard anything from Wiseman. I, I don't yeah, even nothing. know if Wiseman is. I, I don't even know if Wiseman's working out. Like I, I sure. don't. Like I haven't heard anything about Wiseman. So let's say, for instance, that you know he's gonna be out for a little while. We know that Clay is coming back around Christmas time. So you can have a small lineup: Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Trey, and Kaminga. On November first, James Wiseman was cleared to return to full practice with the team. So he's probably going to return somewhat in the next month or so. I hope so. I'm wow. Oh, my God. We, we, we got a lot of depth, man. I swear, man. Like, geez, well, like, you guys so had the talented. worst bench in the league last year. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, we did. We definitely did. Like, but... easily the worst bench in the league. And now you've got probably the best depth out of any team, man. If yes. your guys come back healthy, of course. We are, I want nothing more than for Wiseman and Clay to come back. But a lot of people are assuming that they're just going to come back, and you got to chill out with that. I oh, definitely. I mean, we we, def- we definitely need to pump the brakes, especially with Clay, who has missed two, yes, years. two, years, like the two la- years. The last time Clay has played an NBA game, we were not even in a pandemic. Like nobody, nobody knew That's what so COVID true. was. Yeah. Like to be honest, so it's like you know we get it. Like you know we we understand what Clay brings to the table, but we have to understand that you know Clay's not going to come back and drop. 40 is first game like that's just not gonna happen whatsoever he's probably like in in my opinion like when he does come back i would say keep keep jordan Poole in the starting lineup and have clay come off the bench like the first like three to four weeks and then and then once clay really like gets his legs under him then maybe insert him which by the way i still have a problem with that because i really love the way jordan Poole is is playing right now especially being being right next to steph in that backcourt i just hope that if he does have to slide to the bench that he doesn't lose that momentum yeah, we'll see. Uh, Pool is breaking out this season. It's really fucking cool to see. At number eight, we're going back to Orlando, who we had very nice things to say about. And this is their rookie that's actually been playing well. He's I think um, well. the NBA had him at number three on their rookie ladder. So it's Franz Wagner, whose brother Mo Wagner is in the NBA and on Orlando with him right now. Mo's mid. He's just, he's just what he is. He's a mid-NBA player. He's going to stick in the league for a hot second and make some money, but he's never going to be more than a barely rotation player. Good for him. It's not easy to do it, you know? But his brother, and I thought his brother was going to be mid just like him. You know, I thought he was going to be the same fucking player because he's, you know, he went, to, he went to Michigan just like Mo. He's kind of built like Mo. But no, it turns out the Franz has some fucking talent and he's got a little bit of feel for the game. 
You spoke about Suggs. You say you've seen a little bit of Orlando this year. Out of that Orlando, how much have you seen out of France? Besides, besides like little highlights on Twitter, I haven't really seen much. <laughs> but let me just say that, you know, like within like the, those little small clips that I've seen, like he's definitely producing. Well, I, I'm assuming he's producing a lot more than what his brother has done, because I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't think his brother's going to be in the NBA in about like, you know, another, another two years. But that's just yeah. me. I don't I don't mean to be uh, disrespectful to Mo Wagner because I mean, look, I mean, if you make the NBA, you know, kudos to you. Right, right, but some, right. But, but but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out for certain people. But <laughs> Franz Wagner, apparently, he is he, apparently he is a fan favorite and a team favorite in Orlando. So I'm just hoping that he can continue the momentum and just you know keep keep trying to get better. Yeah, right now he's averaging 13.2 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists. And his shooting splits are fucking awesome. He's shooting 44.3 from the field, 37.5 from three, which is really good, especially for a rookie, and basically 80% from the free throw line. This is for a big man. This is for the stretch big man that Orlando has also been looking for forever. They actually finally found some guys that are actually the things that they've been looking for. It's fucking crazy. I can't believe it happened all in this year. But yeah, Franz is playing well the young guys in orlando are playing well everyone seems to fit maybe there's a three missing because rj hampton as a scorer probably doesn't fit there long term but it's really cool to see man let's go to number nine we're on an off night we're going to sacramento the newly freed sacramento from the shackles of Puke Walton, that piece of shit is finally out of the NBA. The Puke easily, <laughs> the easily the worst coach in the NBA for like the past however many years he's been the coach of the Sacramento Kings. I don't know what he had on the Sacramento owner, but they didn't care anymore. They finally canned his ass. And they're, they're bringing in Alvin Gentry, who's a damn solid NBA coach in this league, better than fucking Luke Walton, that's for sure. They took another shooting guard for like the fifth straight year in the draft. And just like the other five fucking shooting guards, he's good. They keep just drafting good shooting guards. I don't understand how, but it makes no sense. And it happened. They got Davion Mitchell who was kind of a meme during the tournament just because he had the same number as Donovan Mitchell and he was D Mitchell and people were like, oh, Donovan's playing in the NCAA. Surprise, he's fucking good. His nickname- I actually thought they were brothers at first. I I, I must (laughs) admit that. I thought they were brothers, but then turned to find out they're like not related at all. No, yeah. Uh, he And he's just locking everybody up. He's fucking, he's off night. When you go up against him, you have an off night. That's why there's the nickname. It's so cool. I've watched like three Sacramento games, dude, and they've all been fucking terrible. They keep getting fucking blown out. Davion's great, though. I saw him versus Donovan. What have, what have you seen? Um, well, last week I just wrote uh, I, I just wrote a piece on him, so I, I definitely went back to watch some film. And let me just say this, though. like He is he is the real deal defensively. Like, go back and, like, go back and watch the Kings' first game of the year against Portland. Yeah, and he locked Dame up, and then and then obviously you know the second game where they played. I want I want to say the second game was 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 when they played Utah, and, and then you know he had that strip on Donovan Mitchell. Yep. Like, yep. Davion is the real deal, and the thing that impresses me with him defensively is that he can go 
or he or the thing about him is that he can fall for the screen and then still recover afterwards. Like I've seen him many times, like you know, run into the screen and then like you know, still be able to quickly get back up, get back on his feet and contest shots. Like that that shows like tremendous hustle and dedication to like you know just getting a stop. So obviously, you know. For a lot of the real hoop fans, they appreciate it. For those who may not, it's probably because, you know, Sacramento is just that bad. And, you know, you're probably not watching any Sacramento at all. But the Kings need to figure something out because I, I just I just don't get it. Like, you know, you got Darren Fox, you got Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, Buddy Hill, a lot of these great guards. In my opinion, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton deserves to be on another team. That's just my opinion. And possibly- Everyone on the Kings deserves to be on another team. Let's be yeah. real. And then, uh, and then maybe maybe Davion Mitchell as well, but I I agree they are very guard heavy, and I'm still trying to figure out how they are going to utilize this because the thing about it is that I mean we get it, Davion Mitchell number wise numbers wise offensively not good whatsoever, oh, but shit. at the, at the end of the day no one gives a fuck because he's just that good defensively. Yeah, I love this like string of big defensive guards that can't do shit on offense. Matisse Thibel, Lou Dort, who randomly drops 30 points a game, but he can't shoot for shit outside of that. And now Davion, it's so cool. Honestly, I know so. I know Drew Holiday just watches those dudes come in and just blushes. I'm sure he just loves those dudes. Davion's locking people up, though, man. And I don't know how it's going to work in Sacramento either. Maybe Alvin can get something out of this team because they got a great starting lineup. Darren Fox, Whichever of the shooting guards, fucking pick one. Harrison Barnes. Um, who do they start at the four? Do they have a four? Is it uh, Marvin Bagley? No, they don't play Marvin Bagley. <laughs> no, they're they're uh, it, uh, they benched Bagley. They have. I know they have Tristan Thompson and they have Rashawn Holmes. They have Rashawn who starts at center. Who the fuck starts at yeah. power forward? It, do they play two shooting guards and Harrison Barnes at the four? That would make sense, I guess. Let's see. I, would, I haven't actually watched like a full Sacramento game. I, I can't bear to do it. I really can't. Um, let's go to the roster. Hold on here a second. God fucking damn. It just took me back to the draft. You're what I do know here. is that yeah. <laughs> apparently the other day Tristan Thompson like was at the podium and just yeah. completely went off on the wall. And I, I don't know exactly what it was about. I didn't actually like watch the full video, but apparently like a lot of people were talking about it. They start they start Mo Harkless at the four. They start Mo Harkless. That, what the that's- fuck? That's some Lou Walton shit. What the fuck, Lou Walton? <laughs> Mo Harkless wasn't playable for like two contenders in any role, let alone a starting role. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Ugh, ugh, I can't. I thank God that fucking loser's out of the league. Um, number 10, ZR Williams. He's played 14 games, and I haven't seen a single second of it. How about you? I haven't really either, to be honest. And, you know, may- maybe it's just me not paying attention because I've, I've, I've actually watched some – well, actually, you know, I'll take that back. Like, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've watched a little bit of Zaire Williams. I mean, he, he's, he's been great from beyond, beyond the arc, but it's like, you know, it kind of – you kind of don't pay attention just because, you know, you got John Morant playing at an absolute no- another level. Now, on top of that, you got guys like Taron Jackson Jr. and others. So, he's been – 
I'm assuming he's been pretty solid for Memphis, considering that you know he is getting minutes, but you know he's not. Yeah. He's definitely not up there with like the other rookies. He's averaging 18 minutes a game. I've watched like five Memphis games. I haven't noticed him once. What the fuck? Uh, or, I don't know. I don't think they regret it. Everyone knew he was going to be a project. I think he's super young. There's just no takes on him right now. James Booknight at 11. He has played uh, six games and he's averaging one minute a game. We haven't seen anything out of book night. He's had some, I think some highlights in the G league. I saw, we haven't seen shit. We both liked him in the draft, but we're going to move on. Joshua Primo, who's actually got some hype, but he also is only strictly a G league guy. We're going to move on. Chris Duarte. Let's talk about Duarte. huh? How much Indiana have you watched this year? The only two games that I've watched were both against Charlotte. I just don't give a shit about Indiana a little bit this year. They are boring. I like Indiana, but, you know, like it's kind of like in what other teams is like, you know, I mean, for me, for me personally, I haven't gotten NBA League Pass yet. So all the you games. Just get I- on streams. Would you just get on streams? I do the streams. I haven't, I haven't I legally watched a game in like five years. <laughs> just do the streams. Shh, hang on, hang on. The, the, the government's going to be listening. Hang on. <laughs> God, they're gonna kill us but you know besides that you know considering that i don't have league pass you know every game that i've been watching is on espn or nba tv or, or tnt or whoever so a lot of these teams i haven't actually watched so that's why sometimes i'll have to like go find film on on, on a lot of these sure teams. sure but back to the chris duarte thing this this guy's a scorer that like this guy is the sniper like i saw i saw it in the first game that they played against charlotte i think I, th- I think it was that game that went to overtime my goodness, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did not see this. I mean, look, I mean, he had he, he had golden moments in the G League, but you know how it is. Like, you know, when you play good in the G League, like, you know, sometimes it doesn't translate to the NBA court. Right, but right, right. This guy right here is is the real deal, I must say. Well, really quick, what what place do you think Indiana is in the East right now? Off the top of your head. Probably like 10th or 11th. They're 13th. Oh, they're 13th. Wow. <laughs> and this is with Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner. I don't know if Warren's playing yet. Warren hasn't played in 30 years. I think Karis LeVert uh, just came back. Should have kept Nate. Can't feel sorry for you. Should have kept Nate. Can't yeah. feel bad. Should have kept Nate. Which, by the way, the, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of bad that I'm saying this, but the, I mean, the Hawks aren't really that good either. That's true. <laughs> That's so fair. I just like shitting on Indiana for that. I just really do. But yeah, to be fair. Uh, yeah, Duarte looks legit. I haven't watched a lot because I just cannot bother to watch Indiana this year. I genuinely just don't give a shit. It's the I same like them players. as a team. Like, yeah. I like Sabonis. I, I like Miles Turner, you know, Brogdon. Brogdon, in my opinion, should have been all-star last year. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think they're all great. I just the team's just boring. The fit is fine, but they're never they're they're not gonna win a playoff series in the near future, let alone make it to a conference finals. It's just boring. Cash in, trade three of those dudes for a superstar, and let's fucking roll, baby. Otherwise, I'm not gonna tune in for right now. Duarte looks legit though. Great, great for them for finding a guy at 13. Real quick stats: 13.4 points, which is like tops out of anyone in uh, like past 10 is easily 32 13.4 points four rebounds 
shooting 43.4% from the, from the field is fine. 39.2% from three is legit. That's legit. And uh, about 77% from the free throw line. Moses Moody at 14. You had some thoughts. I haven't seen shit. Let me hear. So Moses Moody has also, you know, like Kaminga played a small package. And I'm going to say that, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, he was such a good scorer at Arkansas. And just looking at, you know, what he's been doing and just and just looking at, you know, what he's been doing so far for Golden State and, you know, in a limited time, you know, it, it's just not the same energy. Like, you know, I don't know what it is, but his jump shot's just not there. So maybe spending time in the G League will possibly help him. And, and you know, once, once, once we're able to just, you know, utilize him in the NBA, you know, he'll be able to play at a high level. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I liked the pick, though, from what I had seen in draft profiles. I tried to do a little bit of reading on everyone. I was a little surprised that Golden State got him at 14. Apparently, they were considering him at seven with Kuminga, and they were just lucky to get both. Uh, 15 is Corey Kispert. We both admitted that we haven't watched a lot of Washington earlier this season. Apparently, he's solid, though, for them. He's been solid in the terms that he's getting minutes. Like, If you get minutes – as a rookie in the NBA, that means you're doing solid. Like, unless you're a team like OKC or Houston, if you're getting minutes as a rookie, you're doing good. That's that's what that means. Uh, right. He's played 15 games. He's averaging 12 minutes a game. That's fine. I was under the the impression that he was drafted as a shooter out of college, correct? Yeah. It definitely. hasn't translated. He's shooting 40% from the field, uh, 25% from three. Uh, but the free throw shot is there. So it must be just he's just contributing energy right now for, for a, a Washington team that honestly has enough big bodies. They don't need to play him if they don't want to. But I want to talk about number 16. Number 16 is one of my favorite picks in the draft. I tweet about him every time I watch the Rockets, and I don't always tweet about Jalen Green when I watch the Rockets. This trade, this pick was traded by two teams that need big men, the Boston Celtics, who always need a big man, and OKC, who needed the big man of the future, next to SGA. Instead, the pick ends up in Houston, where they take Alperen Shengun who is one of my favorite players in this draft and easily the second best big man, big or center, at least. I don't know what you call Franz. The second center in this draft so far, I've seen decent amount. I'd say seven or eight games of Shen Goon. How about you? I've only watched a small package, but let me just say that he, he provides tremendous energy. I, I honestly knew nothing about Sangoon coming into this draft and I did not do any like any film or research on him even coming into the season but when I saw him and I want to say like I want to say it was like the Rockets like third game against the Celtics yeah like the way that he was playing I was like oh my god this guy this guy is really good and you know the Rockets are the team that a lot of people probably don't want to watch because they're like one in 15 you know they're probably gonna they're probably gonna finish the season with the worst record in the league but yeah I'm telling you, like you need you like people need to watch these guys like Jalen Green, Sangoon, um, you know, a few other guys. Because Jay Sean Tate, even I love Jay Tate, Tate, man. I love Jay Sean Tate as well. But you know, regardless of the Rockets record, like they are playing, like they they have some guys that have a lot of potential to be great players. Yeah, they got a lot of dudes, and Sangoon's one of those dudes. He passes. He's got a little bit of shot to him. He's not great defensively in terms of a rim protector, but he's got a lot of activity and he's a good rebounder, which is an underrated aspect of team defense. 
this guy would have been the starter in Boston after like two weeks. And I'm saying that even with Williams on the team, I'm fucking serious. Robert Williams brings the defense and if they want that, you start him. But he, Shangun brings so much to opening up an offense to a team like Boston that doesn't have a true point guard, a facilitator on that team. Not a single person on that team is a pass first player. And it's very difficult to see them succeeding without one. Al Horford is a diet version of Al Prince Shangun at this point with his advanced age. And then in OKC, they would have loved him. He'd be starting, man. People would be talking about they found the center for SGA. They didn't get Mobley, but they got Shangun. And instead, he's in Houston. And fucking Steven Silas won't start him. He's still starting Daniel Tice at fucking center instead of Al Prince. I don't understand why Tice is a starting big man. You I and Houston Rockets don't. Twitter both, brother. They are up in arms about it. They fucking hate Tice. And I said that everyone hates Tice. After a month, everybody I never believed. I never believed he should have been a starter even in Boston. I was like, yo, like, this is not your guy that should be started. Like, I like him as, like, you know, being that Kelly Olenek type role where, you know, come off the bench and provide some yeah. energy. But being a starting big, no. It's so difficult to see. And Shengun is so good. He's so good. It's not even that. They will refuse to play Wood at center either. I don't know if it's Silas or if the front office has a say in how he's, he's, he's playing these guys. But... I really don't like it. Um, Shengu needs more minutes. He's already averaging 18.7. I need to see, you know, Green's got 32. I want to see 25 a game from Shengu at this point. You're not winning games fucking regardless. And those teams that pass on him are going to regret it. Uh, They really are, especially Boston. That team... They they traded to get they traded that pick to get Horford man they traded Kemba and that pick to get Horford so dumb so dumb good for Houston great for Raphael Stone a fantastic pick one of the many by him in his young career as the GM for the Rockets uh, let's move on to I would like to talk about well real quick at number twenty three another great pick by Stone is Usman Garuba out of the out of Real Madrid, probably the second best uh, non-NBA team in the league. Um, great fucking defender. He's in the G League right now. I would like to see him get more minutes just because he's a Jay Shante type, and you guys saw how Jay Shante worked for, for Houston. And right after, at 24, is Josh Christopher. Uh, you want to talk about Josh Christopher? I honestly have not seen him at all this season. I just but- watched him in the Summer League, to be honest. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, but then again, like, has he even, like, gotten, like, that opportunity so far for uh, Houston this year? Uh, eight minutes a game, ten minutes per game. People want to see him more. Silas is only I playing agree. the vets right now. It's I disappointing. Agree. So, you know, coming out of um, coming out of Arizona or Arizona State, I, I always get the two mixed. Arizona State. Arizona State. So, coming out of Arizona State, you know, there, there, I mean, there was a lot of high optimism for um, Josh Christopher. I think the only thing that people really were concerned about is uh, it's just, you know, him having a consistent perimeter shot. I think, I think a lot of people saw that, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't really like as good of a shooter as like other guys in his draft class, but he was super athletic, super, um, super explosive, could, could even play make at, at times. So with the Rockets just being so trash, like, you know, why not just give him more minutes? Why not just give him more right. opportunity? Just, you know, try, just really just try to explore like, you know, other, other options and other scenarios. Yeah, Stone's just got to trade those vets, man. Somebody wants Eric Gordon. Someone will take Tice, I promise. Like, you got to give more minutes to these young guys. Even K.J. Martin needs over minutes, man. He should be yes. starting at the four. Oh, with, my what God, at the five, I, man. I, I K.J. Martin. Yeah, I, I saw K.J. 
You know, what's fun is Shangun and KJ are always on the break together. And usually Shangun throws the oop to KJ to dunk it down. And in the last game I watched, can't remember who they were playing, to be fully honest, but they had the fast break and KJ tossed an oop to Shangun. It was fucking great. Those guys have chemistry and you got to just start them. Just start them. Just start them. Even if, honestly, trade Wood if you want. Honestly, like if you can get like a good young player for Wood at this point, just start the young dudes. Just at this it. point. At this point, I wouldn't even be mad at that either. No, trade him, trade him to trade him to Golden State. Get Kuminga and Moody. Get some young guys in the mix, man. Fuck it. You guys would be fun with Wood, by the way. Get, don't get Kuminga. Uh, do Moody and Wiseman. You don't need Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman. Yeah, I, I, I honestly agree with that. Wiseman. Yeah, trade Wiseman to um to Houston. That would honestly be really good. Honestly, yeah. Wiseman. For you guys. Yeah, well, why isn't it Houston? But for you guys, yeah, yeah, what would be fucking great for you guys? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, let's talk about just a couple more guys. Bones Highland in Denver. I think we all know at this point that point guards just play well with Nikola Jokic, just how it happens. Mm-hmm. So drafting a guy with some legit talent like Bones is turning out like it could be something real for Denver real soon. I haven't seen a ton, though. Have you? I've seen a little bit of him this season. You know, obviously, you know, Basically doing everything that I expect him to like really get on the attack, plays with a lot of confidence. I, I want to say he is injured right now, so you know, obviously, obviously that sucks for him. But you know, besides that, I mean, Bone Bones is a really good player. Yeah, he's got 216 minutes on the season, which is most out of anyone besides Shen Goon in the top line, or in like the 16 through 25 range. Uh, Cam Thomas doesn't fucking matter. I'm sorry. Bleacher report. Cam Thomas isn't a thing right now. Um, second it's round. That's Steve Nash's fault. Yeah. That's Steve Nash's fault because he's not giving him any minutes, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, apparently, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been really good for OKC this season, but I have not seen it. I don't know if I don't know if it's true or not. I just follow a couple. I've uh, follow three cone on on twitter the okc guy and he says that jre is a great pick he watches all of the okc so i take his word on that type of stuff um chicago ao hasn't played a ton but i've seen him play well in the g league a little AO's bit been super solid especially defensively for chicago like yeah i think he's slowly just you know gaining that um that momentum for himself and really gaining the um, trust in his teammates because right now i mean he he hasn't played like a lot of minutes, but you know, in, in in the limited time that he has been playing, like he's been really solid. Yeah, and Jared Butler is apparently something interesting in Utah, but he's not getting minutes. Utah fans are he's upset that he's not getting minutes. Yeah. Um, Sharif Cooper in Atlanta, they just don't have minutes for him right now. Uh, well, that's what you had... expect, though, like with a lot of these like lower second round yeah, prospects. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, they're, they're not they're not really going to get the minutes. Cooper did have that one massive game in the G League, though, I think. I saw some tweets yeah, about it. Mm-hmm. BJ Boston, uh, as a clipper, I think, uh, hasn't done it. I mean, he's not getting minutes right now, but people are keeping an eye on him. I've seen people keep an eye on him. And that's about it. Charles Bassey had, like, a huge game the other day out of, out of nowhere for Philly. Uh, I think that's it. Do you have any other things that you'd like to talk about the draft? I think we just about went through all the important players. The important, yeah, the important stuff is Cleveland is going to be legit. Keep an eye out. Houston is interesting, but we don't know if they're going to be legit in the future. Orlando is surprisingly possibly legit. 
that's going to be it for us here at No Bucks Given. As always, give a follow to Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter. He is dropping articles all over the place. He is cheating on us with podcast appearances everywhere. Check them out whenever he tweets them out. And he's tweeting about like three sports on a daily basis, to be fully honest with you. He's always watching some hoops. Check him out for that shit. He just started his Patreon. Plug the Patreon. Oh, yeah, definitely follow me on uh, or subscribe to my page on Patreon. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash Nick Andre. Um, only $5 a month, you know, so it's not super expensive. I might I might actually lower it down. I mean, I think I think the lowest I can get it down to is only $3. So if oh. I can get into that, that'd be super dope. So I got a few subscribers right now. So anybody listening, if you, if you would like to subscribe and get new, get some dope content, then that'd be great. If you don't um, subscribe because, you know, of um, income reasons, I understand as well. Yeah, fuck you if you don't, <laughs> especially if it's financial reasons. You spend your last $3 on Dre, damn it. Now go check him out if you'd like. He's posting so much free content on Twitter that the premium stuff is almost a courtesy at this point. You may as well just pay him for the free stuff, you know? So check him out there. If you want to follow me, it's at underscore Guccifer. That's just G instead of Lucifer on Twitter. I tweet about sports and depression, mostly, if you're into either. You to start writing again. Yeah, yeah, you guys got to get me to start writing again. I still get the emails from Sir Charles in charge. They still consider (laughs) me part of it. Uh, I just haven't written for him in a hot second. And keep an eye out for some new stuff that I'm dropping. Uh, It was supposed to be this Friday. I don't know if it's going to happen this Friday, and we might have to push it again. But keep an eye out because it's kind of exciting, even though it's going to be cringe at first, like everything is. This is us signing off. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And if you don't celebrate, I don't know, enjoy the day off. It's PTO, baby. See you. Exactly. Deuces.